Due to technical difficulties, the audio quality of the sermon you're about to hear has been compromised. We're sorry for the inconvenience. Job chapter 28. Uh, I just want to start right here and let you know that uh, I'll just let you know a little bit about myself. I was a kid who drove my parents, my teachers crazy with that why question. I was the why kid. The one who was always like, well, why? Why? And someone would tell you to do something and it was like, why do I have to do that? Why do I, why am I experiencing this? If you're a parent uh, of kids of a certain age, maybe you've experienced this, maybe you're experiencing it right now, maybe you're experiencing it this moment. If you're a parent of a little one who is, has yet to talk, at some point those questions will come out. Maybe not to the extent that I had, uh, but like you're going to have those questions of why. In each of us, regardless of who we are, we come to moments in our lives where we're, we're just having to ask like, God, why is this happening? Why am I experiencing this? Why, why is this going on? And what we get here with Job is that this is where Job's at. We've heard from, from chapter 3 on, Job with this why question. Why is this going on in my life? But this chapter is a little different. This is uh, to an even deeper cry. This is to a nuanced question, even past the why is this happening? This is Job saying, God, why are you not answering me? Why do I not have an answer to what's going on in my life? And that's different. That's subtle, but it's different. And it's really important for us to catch the difference. There's a why is this happening? And and then there's this like deeper cry from Job that we get right here in 28, which is why are you not answering me? And that's what we get to sit in and kind of see this. You see, chapter 27 uh, like, is the end of this conversation from, from the friends. And, and Jeff led us so intimately last week and served us so well walking through this conversation with all these friends who have a lot to say to Job. And, and 27 is this, it, 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 a lot of the friend stuff keeps going on. 27 is them talking. It kind of ends there. And 28, Job responds in many ways. But 20, or after 28 is Job's response. 28 stands alone. It stands alone in this. It's a poem inside this larger poetry. It has all these unique aspects to it. There's really no connection, uh, literary connection to what has come before and what will come afterwards. You might even be familiar with this book and know like Job has a big soaring response that here is answered by God himself. But there's no like real connection to the context immediately before or after. There's, there, there's no one that's specifically or explicitly uh, addressed in this. It's not the friends. Uh, it, it's not even to God. It's just like his heart being poured out with this question of why, why is this even happening? Why, why is it happening that you're not answering me in this? There's no accusations. There are no complaints. There are no, there's no responses to anything that's been said to him. It's simply this reflective tone of something stirring in Job's heart. And if we were to read this whole chapter aloud, we would probably read it in just a more somber tone. 
it's a contemplative pause in the middle of this book in which we, we get opened up for us, again, Job's heart. And then we have at the end of this, at the end of the, the chapter, God speaks. And what you have is the first time that God speaks from the first time God speaks to a person. And what we get is this unique moment that will come back to us later on in the book. But here, right in the middle is this moment of pause and reflection that's asking this massive, massive question to us. God, why are you not answering me? Why are you not answering me? And so look, kind of look at it in a survey. The, the first six verses paint this picture of, of like a miner, of, of like digging in the ground for all sorts of things. Maybe, and maybe it's more than just a hint that there's, there's actually goodness and, and, and precious things to be found in the darkness. But he talks about being a miner and going after ores and finding precious gems. He, he's saying all of this in there. And notice what verse 3 says. Verse 3 says, Man puts an end to darkness and searches out to the farthest limit the ore in gloom and deep darkness. Like he's, he's saying man is capable of all sorts of things and even going underneath the earth to the darkest, darkest places and finding precious gems in it. Well, Job's in one of those darkest, darkest places. He's like, man can do incredible things. He can get there. Verses 7 and 8, uh, he even kind of contrasts this to like animals and the birds of the air, the falcon in its keen sight, all of these animals, the lions in its might, all, all of these things. It's just kind of painting in poetic terms this picture of like man is even better than all of these things. Verses 9 and 11, he speaks of the power and might of man to climb the rock face or even, I love the phrase, overturning mountains, harnessing the rivers. And this is us, right? This is, this is us. Like, we live in this world in which like, we can find answers to almost everything right when we need it. If you don't know something, you're not running to the library anymore. You just search it. You hop on Google, you hop on whatever your engine is, and you just search it, and it's like we're accustomed to finding answers to everything that's going on around us virtually instantly. We're accustomed to these things, and yet we come across moments in our life in which there's deep loss. There's deep pain, and Google can't help us answer that. The question is, what do we do then? This is us, man. This is, this is where we find ourselves in, in a culture that instantly goes to our phones for all the answers. And then what do we do when there are no answers? When you can't overturn enough rock to find it, when science or knowledge, when exploration will, will, will not answer those longings that we have, that's us. You see, just this week, uh, Elon Musk gave an interview. 
just this past week. And, and you may or may not be familiar with Elon Musk, but he's the, the founder of Tesla, the, the car company, the battery company, all these things. He's also the founder of the billionaire, crazy, like, mad villain from a Bond film or something. Like, Elon Musk is all sorts of complicated, right? But he's one of those guys that is like, we probably should pay attention to because he might be the genius of our age as well as, like, the crazy villain of our age in some way. Like, Elon Musk is actually funding and thinking of trying to figure out how we get humans to Mars. And so he's doing these things that uh, are, seem impossible that we kind of put to NASA and, and say, wait, isn't that someone else's? Isn't that what the government does? No, like I, he, he's throwing a car up in space. He's launching rockets and landing rockets. He's like doing all these crazy things. And, and someone asked him in an interview this week of like, why are you spending all of your money and maybe the rest of your life trying to figure out how to put humans on Mars? And I want you to hear his answer? What motivates you to do this? Here's his answer. He says, I believe, I believe the universe is the answer. And just, just think about that for a second. I believe the universe is the answer and we need to learn what questions to ask to better understand that answer. The, the universe, why are we even here? What is this all about? In order to understand what the meaning of life is, we have to expand our knowledge of the universe. Man, that, I, what a light. I don't agree with almost any of it. But he's saying the same things that Job is saying in this. Like we could turn over the mountains. We could go to the deepest parts of the earth. We could get to the, the core of the earth. You could climb the highest peaks in, in, in searching for your answer. Or as Elon Musk has got to said, go to the furthest place any man's ever gone, searching for the answers to life. Job's feeling so many of the same things that Elon Musk is putting his fingers on. He's reflecting. This chapter is reflecting on those main questions. It is that main question of God, why is all this happening? But like, God, why do I not have answers to this? Why are you not answering me? Notice what verse 12 says. Job asking that Elon Musk question as well. Where shall wisdom be found? And where is the place of understanding? It, it, essentially, it's where are the answers to what is happening to me? And, and, and you, you just got to kind of pause right here. And you just got to kind of sit and, and recognize this. We're not reading the, the puffed up questions of the scholar behind the desk. We're not reading the, the like, at the the real highbrow answers to all this. We're not reading the, the lecturer or the pundit or the commentator. We are reading the cry of the bruised and the beat up. We're reading the journal uh, of a broken man and getting right into this question. And maybe that's us today. Maybe that's you. Maybe that's where each of us find ourselves in different things. Because life can come at us fast in, in, in ways that we never expected. 
Maybe life or circumstances hasn't gone how you thought it was going to work out. Maybe it hasn't gone how you planned it to go. Maybe where you're at today is you're dealing and experiencing loss in ways that you weren't even aware of a few months ago, a few years ago, that you couldn't even have named. Maybe you have longings to be married or longings for kids, longings for someone that you've already lost, longing for uh, different aspects of life, longing for a job. Maybe you have longings in which you couldn't even name right now or you wouldn't want to name. Maybe you're sitting there uh, not trying to read a commentary for your answer, but actually need Job right here, a one who actually knows that same pain and, and can sit here with this text and say, man, where is understanding to what I've been tossed into? And the reality is, is sometimes, sometimes our circumstances are, are, are things that we found our way into, and sometimes there's just circumstances that, that find us. And that's where we are, baked into this poem, baked into this text right here in chapter 28, is an invitation for each of us. It's an invitation for the readers to do more than just be disconnected philosophers, to be more than just people who turn this into a nice meme uh, to have people like it, to be more than people who just nod our heads and say, that's nice, I know a little bit more about why Job is in our Bible, but to actually put it right into our life and to sit with it and to be honest and say, God, where are you in this? Where are you in this? And so where is it? Where is our longing? Where is your longing? Where are the spots in which the Lord just keeps putting his finger on and saying, no, you really do need me? And just being honest, like people are really clever. Like, we've figured out ways to get to the core of the earth. We've figured out how to go down and sideways and around and do all sorts of crazy things. We are now figuring out how to get to Mars of all places. We are figuring out things as people. And we're also, like, just really, really clever people in deflecting and cornering off areas of our hearts so that we, we try to protect ourselves from the reality of our circumstances biting us. But that only lasts so long. That only gets us so far, and it actually never answers those questions. And, and I think the invitation for each of us today is to see that the Lord is calling you to bring those questions to him. And he's showing you where wisdom can be found. And so let's just see exactly where this takes us, because the text tells us that wisdom cannot be found in this world. It will not be found in this world. It's as if Elon Musk understands that, and so he's trying to figure out how to get us off of this world. It's like the answers aren't here. We're not going to find it in nature. We're not going to find it underground or above ground. We're just not going to find it in any amount of money. Where is it found? Look at verse 13. This section of 12 through 14 is really making it clear. It cannot be found. Verse 13. Man does not know its worth. One of the reasons why we can't find it is we don't even get it. We don't even understand. We put wisdom, we think, we think these other things are wise when the Bible says, no, you're, you're missing the point altogether. You think this bronze is valuable when this gold is what you're really after. 
But notice it goes on. Job, Job 28, 14 says this. The deep says it's not even in me. The deep says it's not in me. And so you could go to the deepest parts of the ocean. You could go to the highest peaks. You could go under the hardest rock and, and, and search after wisdom and understanding. And the deep is like raising his hand saying, nope, it's not here either. Verse 15 goes on. It cannot be bought for gold. And silver cannot be weighed as its price. We're not going to find it on our own. And yet, we feel this, right? We think we're going to find it through our accomplishments. We think we're going to find understanding or validation. We think we're going to find worth and meaning through titles or uh, accumulated stuff. And sometimes accumulated stuff is finding a spouse or, 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 or getting certain things certain things to check a list for us. And we think that that will make us feel better. Or we think that it will answer these questions about why do I feel this way? Why is this happening to me? We think that those things will do it. Or maybe approval, certain people approving you. And what you'll find is that then you'll just need someone else to approve you. Or maybe this is the point where you, if you're writing stuff down, you just like fill in the blank on what yours is. We, we try to do this. We try to find it in, in things that we deem as valuable, in places that we think are natural to hunt, and yet the words of Scripture tell you you're not going to find it in any of those things. Verses 15 through 19 give this kind of paradoxical view that it is, you're not going to find it, 12 through 14, but it is so valuable that it must be found. And you're like, you're left with Job here in this, going, what on earth, God? How do I do this? We're searching for all these things in this world. It is of enormous value. There is nothing like it. Uh, you could go through Proverbs and on and on through Scripture and see this is the beginning right here. It is understanding. It is through wisdom. And yet, we can't find it on our own, and we must find it. <laughs> to find our answers to these questions. So with Job again, we get to verse 20. And in in verse 20, he says, from where then does wisdom come and where is the place of understanding? Where does it come? Where is it coming from? If it's not through all these things, if Job can almost, we could say right here with Job, like if I could even get to that star way out there, would I find understanding? Where does it come from? In these next few verses, the, the rest of this chapter as we go down through this is monumental for us to find hope. Because if we just stopped at verse 20, we'd say, hey, it's super valuable, but I can't ever have it. If we just stop there, and a lot of us do, we just think, this is my lot in life. This is what I've got. This is the, this is the hand that I've been dealt. This is what I've got to deal with, and I'm just going to gut it out, and I'm going to toughen up, and I'm just going to get through that. If we just stopped at verse 20, we're going to leave in a really dark spot, and we're going to leave hopeless, and we're going to say, God, I don't even know why anybody follows you, because you're demanding something that you're not providing. 
And so these next few verses are, are monumental for us, and they change everything if you're paying attention. And if you actually stop and say, God, let me see what you're doing in this. Because life, even death, even death, the edges of space or, or, or endlessly scrolling through everything that we see here will give nothing more than rumors of the answers that we're seeking. Notice what 21 and 22 says. It's hidden from the eyes of all living and concealed from the birds of the air, Abaddon and death say, we've heard a rumor of it with our ears. All of these things will not give you its answer. All of those things, life, death, uh, Instagram, eternal feed, all the memes that you could find, all the all, all the the spots that hopefully give answers to every one of these questions will not satisfy these things. I want you to, I want you to hear the words of one columnist who would not identify as a follower of Christ. She's a person who, who, who just is actually pretty insightful. And also beyond just being insightful, she's just a really good writer. And so if nothing else, it's, it's actually helpful to, to hear some of these things. But I think she puts her finger on something that, that we end up feeling but often can't name. We struggle to name it. Here's how she describes our circumstance. She starts to sound like she's been reading Job. Contrary to what you might have seen on Instagram, our purpose is not to optimize our own wild and precious life. It's to search for meaning beyond the electric church that, that keeps us addicted to our phones and alienated from our closest kin. Now catch this. I mean, she's naming something. Where do we find the meaning of life? In, in that too many people, here's this person who does not identify as a follower of Christ, like who is naming just the way that we scroll for answers and go through this, and naming it this electric church that we go to, and we think that we're going to find answers in all of these places, whether it's the end of the universe or whether it's in our pocket most of the day. Uh, we think we're going to find answers in these things. So listen to how she goes on. There's a chasm. There's a chasm between the vast scope of our needs and what influencers can provide. We're looking for guidance in the wrong places. Instead of helping us to engage with our most important questions, our screens might be distracting us from them. And maybe we actually need to go to something like church. That we would lift our eyes and actually gather of something with substance. Well, She's putting herself, her finger on something. Something that's really true. And I, I, I wouldn't even name it as maybe, maybe we should just all go to church. The answer is like maybe we need to go to God. Just getting in the, the right room at the right time on the right day of the week is not your answer. <laughs> 
we think it is really important to gather and to be together, that there's so much beauty in life that comes from the gathering in this. Uh, but, but just coming and being in a room is actually not the hope that you need. And the hope and the answer to this is that maybe what you need is to go to God. And it's possible to come to a spot on Sundays weekly and not actually encounter or, or meet the living God. And so what we see right here is this invitation, this, this thing that, that we all feel. It doesn't really matter what your background is. We feel this, this, like, I need answers to these questions, God. We know that we can't find it on our own, that wisdom is found in God alone. And it's right here. It's right here that we get to the heart of the book, the whole book. We, we have our deep questions about evil and justice in this world. We have all of it, but our answers are only found in God. And we must, we absolutely must hear from him. Because the truth is, what the whole of Scripture teaches is that the only answer, the only answer to these questions is from God for us. Notice this, verses 23 and 24, it says this, God understands the way to it. Remember, we were already told that we don't even know what it is. We were already told that nothing could buy it. But God, right here, understands the way to it. And he knows its place for why he looks to the ends of the earth and sees everything under the heavens. He sees everything under the heavens. And then we have, in verse 28, God step into the narrative. And speak. The poem ends at 27, and right here at the end of this chapter, God speaks. And what does he say? And he said to man, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to turn away from evil is understanding. Job is pouring out his heart. <laughs> Like maybe that you are, or maybe you need to do. Job is pouring out his heart, and he's saying, God, why are you not answering my questions? Why are you not answering my questions? And the response of chapter 28, verse 28, is, I am. I am. It's in me. We, we spent some time overseas, and, and one of the things that you see happen, we're, we're in the, the Muslim world, so everyone in this area is ostensibly Muslim, and what happens in that area is so many people are coming to faith through dreams and visions. It's, it is crazy the amount of stories that we heard about dreams and visions and how, how God is meeting people right where they're at. We met a farmer who dug up a cross and God spoke to him through that. We've, we've met people who literally heard God say different things to them and, and, and drew them to faith from Islam and from a, a world in which they walk into massive amounts of persecution. And, and the, the common thread that comes through every single story that I've had of someone telling me that they came to faith through a vision was this. It didn't answer all their questions. 
It didn't give them like the secret to life and meaning. The, the, the dreams, the visions across the board said, look to Jesus. Find Jesus. I have a friend. He lives here in Oklahoma now. He came to faith in an Iranian prison. There are no missionaries coming to it. There are no handout cards. There are no Christians around him. He was locked in an Iranian prison, and God met him, this devout Muslim man, in which a dream came to my friend in an Iranian prison and quite literally unlocked the gates for him, and yet drew him to faith was find Jesus. And what we have here at the end of Job chapter 28 is God saying that same thing. The answer isn't, oh, how did you get here, Job? The answer that you're looking for isn't, why did this happen, Job? The answer to all of your questions is found in me, Job, in seek after me. Maybe where we've been is that we've we find it really difficult right now to look up from our pain. We find it really difficult to look beyond those things that are pressing from all sides. I think there's an invitation here for you to see that God is actually saying, like, look to me. It doesn't matter if you have all the money in the world. It doesn't matter if we were to literally get to Mars or, or, or to scroll to the bottom of our feed indefinitely and get to, right to the bottom of it. The only answers, the only answers to our longings and questions are found in God himself. And again, that columnist, that columnist who does not claim the name of Christ actually names some things here for us. She goes on to say this. She says, I've survived the pandemic so far. I've survived the pandemic so far by performing the role of tough cookie and shielding myself with cynicism. And I read that the other day, and I just wondered how many of us feel that same way. That you're, you're busy trying to be tough cookie and just kind of protect yourself with this shield of cynicism. She, she says this, I have hardly prayed to God since I was a teenager, but the pandemic has cracked open inside me a profound yearning for reverence, humility, and awe. You see, the, the way out of your pain is not from some screen outward to you. And it's not from digging to the core of the earth and having it come up to you. It's not from hitting the ends of the universe and hoping it comes back to you in this. It's actually from looking up to this God who is lifted up literally on the cross and seeing his answer come down to you. It comes from him in him alone, this person working his, working in us and through us. 
to bring healing. You see, uh, in different ways and in different spaces, all of us come to God and say, why is this happening, God? Why is this happening? And we don't actually stop there and say, we are sitting in silence, and neither is Job. The answer to all those questions is found in Jesus, and we have Jesus embodying this, recognizing this, and asking that same question. On the cross, you have Jesus saying, why have you forsaken me, God? And the answer from God there on the cross is that he has not. He actually says, it is finished. All the work has been done. And all our answers to all our questions are found in him. If we'll stop and say, Jesus, meet me right here in this. And so I just want you to, to bow your heads with me. I just, want to, I just want to stop right there, and I want to pray. But we're not asking for you to raise your hands. We're not asking for you to, to rush anywhere. I simply want to stop with Job's question and God's answer. That, that all you're carrying all the un, unmet longings the loss the, the pain the fear God doesn't just dismiss that he actually he actually receives it God doesn't tell you just to toughen up. God's answer isn't just uh, put on a happy face at church. God's answer was to send his son. And it's through his life, death, and resurrection that it is finished. And that might be something that you had never really thought about, even though you'd come to church for a long time. Or something that circumstances are pressing in and the pain is so acute that it is easy to forget. That may be something that you've never actually believed. And yet the, the call from this great God to Job and to us is that the answers to your longings are found in him. You can search high and low, near and far, and you will never find it anywhere.